March 16th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our text today will come from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 35, and here's what we'll find there. You cannot escape Jesus Christ. His birth affected Caesar's politics, the ministry of angels, and the activities of common men. In that day, shepherds were looked upon with disdain, but God singled them out to be the first human messengers of the Messiah's birth. His coming touched worshipers and even scholars. The angels sang about him, and he is still the theme of the greatest music. Luke wrote about him, and he is still the subject of the greatest literature. The shepherds hastened to behold him, and he is still at the center of the greatest art. Teachers listened to him and marveled, and he is still the focal point for all truth and wisdom. In his development, Jesus was perfectly balanced. Intellectually, he had wisdom. Physically, he had stature. Spiritually, he had favor with God. And socially, he had favor with man. And he is still the greatest example for childhood and youth. He alone is worthy of our worship. So, come, let us adore Him. And now, let's read all about it as we present to you our reading in the New Testament today. March 16th, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 35. At that time, the Roman Emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the village inn. That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. 
All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them, and because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice according to what was required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace, as you promised me. I have seen the Savior you have given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing. But he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Hey everybody, this is Seth Johnson with Phase One. just wanted to take a couple minutes to uh, speak on something that I've come to learn and to understand is developmental for everyday life. And uh, that's compassion. And by no means, by me sharing this, isn't this me saying that I, I have this completely figured out because if I'm honest with myself, um, I'm, I'm hardwired to be selfish. And it, it, it takes work. And this is also the same reason that I know that uh, there is a living God that's gotten a hold of me. Because if you take somebody such as myself that comes from a life of crime and, you know, us versus them mentality and how can I get what I need and I don't need anybody else. To fast forward to where I am today to where I can genuinely look at someone and say, what do they need? What are the needs that they have right now? How can I best serve them? And let's face it, it's hard. It's hard when you're a part of a... uh, a culture uh, to where you see men struggle, you see guys come and uh, you just you see the haunts that they've been from. You see yourself in them, and and it, it can be extremely messy at times. And you know, and it, honestly, this is going to sound extremely simple. Um, at least it is for me. But honestly, I got to go back to the basics. And so, so what does that look like? I got to look to Christ. I got to look, so how did he model this for me? Well, 
we see it in a couple of different occasions that come to the top of my head or, you know, the guys that are blind and it says specifically he had pity on them and then he healed them. When he's sitting outside of Jerusalem and he's weeping and he just sees the brokenness and how his heart is for them to change and, and to better themselves and how he knows the better way. And if I'm honest, it can be challenging um, coming from pursuing addiction to the ugliest parts that it has to offer. Uh, death, prison, you know, destroying every relationship that ever mattered continuously, repeatedly, without remorse. Um, it can be hard to, uh, to be there, to come alongside of somebody and to not be puffed up with pride when you start to see things going your way for once or start to th- see doors open for you. And I think Paul captured it best and said, if I'm to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about the cross. And it's for that same reason why I'm able to look upon somebody and just see what they need instead of writing them off. If God had written me off, I would never be to where I am today. Another part was that Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. If I were to stop doing wrong, hypothetically, for the rest of my life, I would still fall hopelessly short for all the terrible things that I've done. And granted, even though it is my greatest asset right now, it is because of Christ's compassion on me that I'm able to stand to where I am today, to where I'm able to actually uh, be a part of something greater than myself. So instead of you know, seeing someone struggle and looking at them and saying, that guy's never going to get it, you know, it's just, I've told him 67 times to stop doing that, and he just continues to do so. My heart is... Uh, for me to continue to move forward and to have the same hope for them that that Jesus has for me. Because if I'm honest with myself, I don't have the ability to see the entire picture. You know, I might know uh, a guy's background or, you know, and I might be able to see who he is now, but that same person, if I'm so quick to judge and say, he's never going to make it, God could be looking upon him and says, you have no idea. That same guy that you're ruling out is getting ready to plant a church in five years. So my heart is not just for myself, but for us all, is to continue to serve one another with love and to understand that uh, love overcomes all things and that through him we are able to do these things. That's all I have. Psalm 59, verses 1 through 17. I will pray, says David. David compared his enemies to dogs prowling the city streets and growling over the garbage. Saul was after him again, and only the Lord could deliver David. I will wait is the theme of verses 8 through 15. David's wife helped him escape that time, but David faced several years of danger and exile before he received his rightful throne. Twice he could have killed Saul, but he refused to do so. He knew that God would deal with his enemies in his way and in his time. And he'll do the same for you and me today, in his way and in his time. And I will sing is the theme of the next verses, 16 and 17. David had a song in the morning because God gave him joy in the morning. 
Things often look worse at night, so wait for the morning. God will give you your song of praise. March 16th, Psalm chapter 59, verses 1 through 17. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time Saul sent soldiers to watch David's house in order to kill him, to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting. Though I have done them no wrong, O Lord. Despite my innocence, they prepare to kill me. Rise up and help me. Look on my plight. O Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, rise up to punish hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They come at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouths, the piercing swords that fly from their lips. Who can hurt us, they sneer. But, Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the hostile nations. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me. For you, O God, are my place of safety. In his unfailing love, my God will come and help me. He will let me look down in triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power, and bring them to their knees, O Lord, our shield. Because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses, and their lies. Destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. Then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. My enemies come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food, but go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. I will shout with joy each morning because of your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety in the day of distress. O oh, my strength, to you I sing praises, for you, O oh God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 Without wise leadership, a nation falls. With many counselors, there is safety.